like, if you don't have a camera in front of you, there's almost something wrong with you. He's like, I'm trying to point out a pride of lions, and the first thing they do is camera in front of their face. He's like, you're experiencing, like, a mother taking care of her young, and the first thing you do is you put a camera in front of your face and take pictures rather than actually being in the moment. Yeah. And, you know, for, for you know, a guy that lives in Can the Can we come back to this? Because I... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, anyway, I, was just, I wanted to I say wanna, that. I want to come back I'm to just, that. I'm fully supporting Zach's not shooting pictures on a photography blog. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, That's continue. That's it. <laughs> That's I got. Drinking and fishing right. together. So, Jamie, uh, what about you? Nothing. Next subject. <laughs> wow. Oh, right. uh, I'm sorry, you have to answer that in the form of a question. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> we're not playing the Jeopardy. Why is everybody leaning in? We're not playing the Jeopardy music. Um, what is nothing? leaning into the mic. Is this thing on? <laughs> oh, boy. What so is for nothing? For all of you listening in slash watching, uh, Zach has managed to somehow get Spotify piped into Google Hangouts. So if that's not impressive in itself, it's uh, also impressive that he's managed to annoy more people than usual in a shorter period of time. Just so, wait till so, me playing that trumpet. <laughs> Yay! Joe's been muted six minutes into the podcast. This is crap. <laughs> I think that might be a new record, but... Uh, no, but to answer Joe, I haven't really been shooting much of anything. Just kind of walking around with the new pen and just playing with it and customizing. Yeah, had, had some nice shots so far. You wrote a review for that, I didn't you, Jamie? Yes, sir, mm-hmm. I did over on smallcamerabigpicture.com. Plug. Nice. And what did you say? Are you, or are you just going to make us all go look it up yeah, right I now? I think we should go look at it. Okay. Uh, it's a really short review, and then it just kind of hits on a couple of things that are key features for me. But I also embedded in my little YouTube review that I did. It's like a 10 or 12 minute, just me talking about it from more like an enthusiast point of view. I'm not one of those spec junkies, you know, who's worried about like every single last megapixel or, you know, the fact that it can do ISO 25,600, whatever. Just, I'm just talking about it from a purely ergonomics and function standpoint. Can you talk about your shooter now? Yeah. Is that are you familiar yeah, with what a rat rod is? It's called a teaser, man. Yes, a teaser. teaser. <laughs> okay, so so this will be like my first shoot with an actual like model who's got plenty of experience. Um, we have oh. a gentleman who owns a rat rod. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. A oh. rat rod is basically yeah. a like a chop top hot rod made out of mm-hmm. like everything you could find in a junkyard. Like think of like Mad Max meets like you know 40s Roadster or something. You know. This is going to so be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy car. We've got a really sick spot to do it. It's a uh, an old train service, uh, train yard with, like, these gigantic brick buildings and a girl who's really into doing, like, pinup model type stuff. So oh, wow. it'll be fun. But that's, yeah, that's what I've got coming up. So I have some photos next week to share that. Sweet. 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 Fantastic. Josh, I think you had a pretty big weekend, right? I did. It was a adventurous weekend. I, I walked into it completely confident. And then, of course, you know, stuff happens and things change. Um, good friend of mine, um, he uh, let me borrow his Nissan flashes, the equivalent of, like, the 580s. Um, I forget the exact model number, but they're fantastic flashes. They have um, full LCDs on the back, and they actually, mm-hmm. ro- like, the, the display will rotate if you have it tilted sideways. So, like, it follows you, so no matter where the angle of the flash is at, it's, like, aligned with what you can see, which is really cool. 
Um, they're fantastic flashes, but like the 580s, apparently they have overheat problems. Luckily, I didn't run into that until the reception, so I had the flashes overheat me twice. I had an SD card air out of me. Luckily, that was during reception dancing, which is a little less important than the main wedding. Um, I had a bunch of issues. Um, I was uh, partly helping people with facilities and stuff, and the wedding ran about an hour late, and things didn't happen the way we planned it. And all the outside shots, which I was banking on, uh, ended up being reduced to about 10 or 15 minutes outside. So um, I ended up with a bunch of indoor stuff. So we did all the formals, but the formals were inside with um, nothing but what is going on. Joe just put up some kind of GIF, and I have no clue what I'm looking at. But uh, anyway. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Something along the swag lines. It's so. Peyton and Eli Manning rapping about football on your phone. Where have you guys been for the last 12 hours? Don't you get on the internet? Not there. I don't get on the internet for 12 hours a day, and I can no, still find this crap. Nobody wants to hear me complain about all the problems I don't want. I'm paying attention to you, Josh. You sure that's not Eric Roberts? Oh, Eric Roberts. Jesus. Here I go, trying to do a compliment gif. And... So anyway... Please continue, um, Josh. Anyway... Uh, one exciting experience was I now know the next lens I want to own is not an 85. It's not a whatever to whatever. It's a 35 millimeter F2. The greatest little lens I've used in a while, the IS. I was a couple podcasts ago. I made fun of IS on short primes like 35s and 24s. I will not make fun of that again. I used the 35 F2 IS with IS the entire time. And uh, it was a fantastic addition, especially shooting inside wide open. Um, it was great for shooting shots. I was confident with not getting any kind of like image jitter, even nope. shooting slow shots. You're talking about the one four? No, the 35 f2. It's the new one. Oh, the two. Um, I'm sorry, not, I thought you said one. Yeah, it's two. not. It's not an L yeah, lens, yeah, yeah. but it's close enough to it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's pretty. That, it's pretty cheap. Yeah, it's pretty cheap, and uh, I've rented it just to try it out because a good friend of mine, uh, Nate Root, who does fantastic weddings, he and his wife are fantastic photographers. They do a lot of Disney weddings and stuff. I asked him what his favorite lens to shoot weddings was, and he said a 35 millimeter. and I thought he was kind of joking until I found myself going to the 35 millimeter for most of the weddings. Now, did he mention that that was full frame or crop? Uh, he uses full frames, so um, and weird, weirdly enough, uh, I had the 6D with me, which I also rented. Um, the only issue I had with it was that the battery door randomly popped open as the couple was walking in. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, time. there goes my there goes my heads up display, and then I look around the camera, and there's the battery door sticking wide open. So that was the only weird part. I had my, you know, of course, my palms up on the side and stuff, so I have no clue how I hit it, but. Anyway, so that was the weird part. I still managed to get off a shot. Um, I found myself using uh, my 50D still. Um, my experience with the 60D was great. Uh, the ISO is amazing. I was comfortable shooting at ISO 1,000 to you know 2,500 almost the entire time, especially inside, to get some quick shots without flash. Um, it has high ISO noise reduction built into it, too, so while it's shooting, it'll actually uh, further filter the noise out and sh- while shooting in full raw, which was really good. Um, the only thing is is that the 60 fails hard when it comes to uh, autofocus points. For a full frame, it's like shooting with a Rebel as far as the nine focus points, and it's a real Achilles heel, and I didn't really made a big deal of it until I actually had to shoot with it and I'm like I could just be shooting my 50D right now 
Um, ended up doing a lot of center focus recompose simply because there's just not a lot of focal points to choose, and the autofocus was digging a little too deep. Uh, so I ended up having to kind of think for the 60, but the high SO was great. Um, the, the weight of it, when doing a reception with nothing but a flash, a 35 and a 60, there's almost no weight. It was like my wrist didn't hurt at the end of the night um, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a big plus for that, I guess. But uh, it actually made me more excited for the 70, 70D. Um, I'd almost rather have all those cross-type AF and shoot on a crop frame than have what I'm kind of stuck with with the 6D. So, you know, unless I've got the money for 5D Mark III, I'd rather just stick with the 70D because after using the Wi-Fi functions on the 6D, I was really impressed. There's only a slight lag, and uh, the, the Wi-Fi was just fantastic. Um, instantly installed to my iPhone. Once I figured it out, I didn't have to read the instructions to get it to work. Um, it has an easy setup, which is like a couple of clicks on the camera and a couple of clicks to download the app and boom, you're done. The app is flawless. You can actually choose your focus. You can actually fire off shots. It shows you the full display of your camera. Um, I could see it as if you wanted to be the do-all photographer, you could actually you know, set up a photo booth, put a 6D there, and sit there and take pictures of people in the photo booth while you're shooting the reception if you really wanted to you know, go superhero at a wedding. Uh, it would work that well, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and so it just makes me excited for the 70D because I can get all the cross-type I want. I can get the Wi-Fi and pretty decent ISO handling for a lot less than putting out money for a 60 just because it's full frame, which is kind of what it started after using it for a weekend. Kind of what it felt like Canon was trying to do was just get me to buy a full frame and, you know, deal with the, the Achilles heel of the how they went cheap on certain options, really. So. But other than that, it was a good experience besides, you know, flashes overheating and SD cards feeling and battery doors popping open and everything running behind. But I, I, yeah, (laughs) I worked through it, though. Um, Had 10 minutes outside, so I literally went for the shots that the bride had asked for and then went for a couple shots that I wanted and just kind of figured it out real quick, nailed it real quick and got them inside so the guests could eat and everybody could dance and so made the best of what I got, and uh, looking forward to editing it now. And it's going to be the fun part. But how many photos did you end up with? I think about fifteen hundred. Oh, not bad. Not bad. So, yeah, that's just with me. Child's Zach play. Shaking his head over here. Child's play. I know, yeah. right? Right. Well, that's that's one guy with two cameras, Zach. Huh. Two people, three cameras. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Look at. That's actually <laughs> funny though. I I did end up delivering right around a thousand. So that's. Terrible. Oh, wow. Terrible. Wow. Yeah. That's that's not bad. No, that's a that's terrible. Well, I mean, it's so much for them to slog through though. I mean, if you think yeah. about it. It's so much for me but, to slog through. I know, well, I know right, people are probably still. charge twice as much as you do and they'll have somebody five hundred in print. No, what I'm saying is I oh, shouldn't yeah. have taken I shouldn't have taken six thousand photos. Oh, okay. Yeah. We shouldn't okay. have taken six thousand photos. That's just too many. Yeah. yeah. And that really comes just down, that that just comes down to experience. Yeah. Well, then you also had your wife first time along, and you guys were all figuring out what you're shooting and stuff, so exactly. it's completely understandable. Yes. Did you end up with that many? Did you shoot everything twice? You know what I mean? Like, if you had a pose, yes. you shot, and then you shot it again, yep. just... Just okay. in case. Yep, cool. Yeah, so hey, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. It was a CYA, basically. Oh, yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. One, one thing I'm going to say is um, Canon really has an ace up their sleeves with the Wi-Fi on the 6D, and if they keep putting this in cameras, it's going to be a game-changer if they can really do more with it. That's going to be um, now yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be standard, but the, the way theirs integrates is fantastic because it doesn't save the pictures to your phone, so it's not killing your phone space. Yeah, but that's, how, view, yeah. that's how I, I mean, it's how everybody does it, but I, it? It, I was impressed with the integration and the fact that I wouldn't need any, like, if I wanted to take, like, a slow shot, I could set the camera up, walk away, and just use my phone as a trigger, as long as I'm near Wi-Fi, because it really lies off the Wi-Fi network. Oh, you have to be on a network. It doesn't make an ad hoc. That's what I was just getting ready to ask. Well, that's well, you know, I terrible. Like I fi in that regard, but it yeah, doesn't. I did. Save, yeah, it's not like iFi at all, actually. Well, I, I did okay. it. The, I did it the easy way, so it was working for wireless network. But I think the other option would have enabled me to like use my phone as a hotspot or use yeah. something else as the hotspot to do it remotely like that. Yeah. So I, I just didn't. I just didn't experiment with that. I just used the Wi-Fi. That seems so dangerous. A little bit. Does uh. Can you transfer the raw files to your phone or device? I did not experiment with that, but I believe that's possible. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, just, just with what I experimented with, being able to put it on a tripod, walk away, and take a picture in another room was really kind of cool. Yeah, cool to be able to do that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I know. I sound like a new kid. You know, everybody else probably already has this, but, you know, when your current camera doesn't have it, it's kind of fun to experiment with. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Oh, totally. Yeah. Jamie totally, totally understands. Yeah. <laughs> I'm smiling. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I can see it. Nah, so, nah. Uh, that, was, that was my weekend. Sweet. Very nice. Joe's got it. You have it, don't you, Joe? Can you do something like that with glass? Yeah, see, that was one of my – I was. I, that's actually been one of the ideas that I've been kicking around, and unfortunately I just don't know enough about hardware to even begin there. But, yes, I think it would be amazing to basically say everything that Josh is doing but have it um, voice-controlled if needed but have it on my head. And the reason why I'm saying that is because um, it kind of parlays into what I shot this weekend. One of my buddies actually ended up coming up to uh, Napa to get engaged on top of a castle. I kid you not. And, um, you know, it was very well planned. It's this uh, one of these winemakers basically decided that he was bored and had a castle made over 13 years authentically with stuff shipped over from Italy and everything. Um, and you what? can propose there. And so that's what I actually did is we wine tasted with them in the morning and then fell behind. And I got set up on uh, basically one of the corners of this castle to capture them kind of coming up because he was winning a contest and whatnot. Um, I won't tell you the name. and I can't show you any footage yet because he hasn't announced it on Facebook. And I'm pretty sure some of my friends actually watch this podcast, uh, much to my shock. So I don't want to spoil it. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was really cool. But the really interesting thing apart about it, and what I can't wait to sh- one of the things I can't wait to share besides the photos is I actually ended up filming the whole proposal through glass. Cool. So I'm standing 15 feet away from this actually happening, taking pictures, but also pausing and actually taking video footage um, because especially when I have my camera in portrait mode, it just totally blocks where this is. But um, but yeah, it was just an extremely trippy experience to watch the video because you're basically reliving the moment from some, like somebody else's, which in this case, mine viewpoint. So, uh, it was, um, something that I think that alone is kind of a very cool feature that hasn't quite been developed yet because yes, I know you can do it with a GoPro, but you also have a giant GoPro on your head or on your forehead. Yeah. But I mean, you can wear it on your chest, but you know, it's also, if you're going to capture it. So, 
there's a lot of other options out there. They're just not as necessarily um, low profile as glass. Uh, and I'm actually very surprised with the video. It came out wonderful for something that's, you know, this small of a camera. Because, I mean, obviously this camera is not exactly anything to write home about. But whoa, whoa, it's, whoa. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, like Google here, you saying that. Oh, oh, stop it. Yeah, everybody knows that it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a decent camera. It's not amazing, but the possibilities of what you can do with it. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, it would be cool if it would be cool if that there was an app that would tie into like the Canon or the Olympus like Wi-Fi option where you could actually like yeah. see see even if it's a grainy crappy version of it, but see like kind of a well. I mean, viewing video there. for this is actually yeah. it's pretty nice, especially. I mean, even to use it as a viewer, it. so instead yeah. of so holding your phone up, that's... you could be sitting there chilling with your honey at the beach, and then say glass take a picture and your camera snaps on a tripod you know I, with a wide angle like 20 feet away i could have mm-hmm. used that in canada because the one time i was well all, clouds rolled in and all the stars went away and i had to end up scrapping the shoot but my goal was to do long exposures because there was there was literally zero light pollution where we were at like you couldn't see a single light anywhere so i was going to uh. do long exposure star shots and then it mm-hmm. got cloudy but the bugs were so terrible up there. It would have been great if I could have sat in the lodge where we were staying and oh, just yeah. fired the camera. From Welcome my phone. to Canada, buddy. So get on that. <laughs> Actually, um, I walked away from the whole week with only two bug bites because my uh, my uncle also makes bug repellent with his soap company. Hmm. Worked like a champ. All natural. Nice. Won't give Very you herpes. Nice. Or there's that new kite patch that just. <laughs> I didn't know that was a problem. What kite patches? <laughs> No, herpes, but yeah, okay, wow. fine. Herpes <laughs> is specifically, not but okay. Can you not want to visit Canada? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Come to Canada, you get herpes. <laughs> where, are you, where are you going? It's herpes. Free herpes so, every visit. All right, so I, we got a, a few news stories to discuss, so I think we should probably jump into those. Um, first of all, we actually had a very, uh, it's kind of a multi-pronged news story question and answer session thingamajobber. Uh, relax, Zach. Your eyes just rolled in the back of your head. Uh, so anyway, um, on our PhotoWalk Alliance Facebook page, which if you'd like to join, you'll have the instructions in the show notes, We uh, I shared an article from a guy who is a travel photographer. Um, well, sorry, an automotive photographer that travels a lot. And he shared a photo of the kit that he normally takes on the airplane. And it's actually fairly intense. It's uh, a couple Pelicans that are... Um, custom spray painted, I guess, Pelican with his logo. Cases. He doesn't carry the birds around with him. Yeah, well, birds too. <laughs> yeah, but um, I was mainly just talk- I was mainly really, just worried about the, really big. the you know the pelicans themselves because I didn't realize that they could hold that much gear in their mouth. Save the whales. But, um, <laughs> yep, something like that. So uh, anyway, but yeah, so kittens. you know, here's a, just a quick screenshot of what you know his typical you know gear is, and we kind of started talking because. For me, as a photographer, especially because you're going to be checking at least one of these things, I'd be terrified to put that down in the cargo hold because that just screams steal me to a certain regard. But mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to hear what other people's thoughts about it. Well, if you just showed the Flash. screenshot with, and then with, we can kind of... with my thoughts. <laughs> <clears throat> Pack yeah. a starter pistol in oh. it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. That's a, yep. yep. And then you don't have Excellent to worry point. about it. Or a real pistol, whatever. And and why would why would you do that? What kind of Jamie? photo shoots are you doing? <laughs> he did say he was going to go Man, work with cars. Guns. Are you are you really working for the mob or something? No, no. no. So the, what does that? With the last name like, like that's McDonald? not the term we call them these days. So no, what does that you, do? If you pack a starter pistol, first of all, you have to notify the airline and the 
and I think it goes, I don't know if the airline does it or if it's on your end to notify TSA that you're traveling with a firearm. Obviously, you can't travel. You do it with when you check in, I believe. I think yes. you do it when you check in, and you and just tell them that I have is. an unloaded firearm. And from what I understand, I haven't done it, but done there it. will probably come it. a time when I'm going to travel yeah. with my firearm. But um, the, the gist of it is is that your luggage is segregated, and it's basically individually handled, I think, by TSA explicitly. So, you know, they're not going to want to lose track of a firearm. In yeah, yeah that, so, that's exactly why. So they'll never lose track of it. It's like uh, you've got your own porter through the whole system of luggage transfer, I guess, you know. They manage to take good care of it, probably. Like I said, I've never done it. I've just read about it and, and heard online through different Yeah, no, I've, I've heard that as well. Well, my whole argument, and, and a, a lot of people were talking about the same thing, is, is like you don't want to spray paint anything that says photography or anything or bombs. anything expensive. Yeah. Or bomb. Or, yeah, well, duh. Like, I mean, from an aesthetic viewpoint, yeah. those Pelican boxes look dope. Like, it looks like kind of military, kind of cool. But, you know, even somebody pointed out in the comments, they're like, you know, do you really want to advertise what country you're from if you're traveling abroad? Because he's traveling to Japan with these things. I mean, do you want to make it look like you're trying to be, like, a superhero or something? Like, you know, you go to Japan, that's going to look like somebody's got, like, you know, a robot or something. You know, th that looks like robot markings and stuff, like the, like the Japanime stuff and all that. The but, you know, I mean, I, if, I, if I had to travel with Pelican, I would spray paint or cover over the name. I would make sure they were black cases. And, you know, I would take a picture of the inside of the case before, just before I checked it in, um, and then take a picture after to see if anything had been disturbed or opened or anything like that. Just to, you know, there's there's certain precautions you want to take. Um, as I was telling the guys before we came on, uh, I one time traveled with a bunch of uh, kind of rare uh, keyboard gear uh, back in the day. And this was kind of back even when the TSA was slowly coming into its own uh, as far as like inspecting and going through everything. And um, they actually went through and, and you know, I don't, I don't have pictures, but I know that they went through and actually opened up my synthesizers and closed them back up because they didn't work right after that and screws were stripped and a whole bunch of different oh, stuff. Oh, to... I thought they used screwdrivers to open your Pelican, but they used screwdrivers no. to open the actual instrument. Oh, geez. They, yeah, they opened the actual gear I had. They, oh, actually, they actually popped the bottom open, and you could tell because, like, stuff had been, like, Things have been adjusted, screws stripped, and everything. So, yeah, I, I kind of had like a, a little lock, which was just like a, a screw and a bolt to kind of close the case to keep it close, because it was like one of those pop things. If it popped, it would just pop open. Right. And so, you know, they definitely undid that. They went in and, and got into stuff. So, you know, I'm not going to trust anybody with my gear, even though I've got to trust people with it. So, you do everything that you can to make sure people are doing it. Because, I mean, even a, a guy who works for baggage handling put in the comments, he's like, you don't want to advertise that. He's like, we're, you know, guys are looking for that crap. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, exactly. So, and, you know, what, why? just for aesthetics look, I think I'd rather, you know, have a nice-looking set of gear when I show up aesthetically than worry about what my bags look like. I'd rather, you know, I, I put in my comments, you know, you could fit a whole bunch of stuff in a carry-on and throw it up there and put a change of clothes in. Like, you know, if you're really worried about your gear, clothes will be, like, the second thing you think about, you know, you think about your gear and you mm -hmm. get it there and back. I, I usually yeah. travel with a, a backpack that goes under the seat and my think tank airport takeoff right mm -hmm. above my head. Yeah. I mean, uh, Pel the Pelican model they have here is a phenomenal one if you can afford it, first of all. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's something that I think you could actually technically put it on the overhead bin. But anyway, but yeah, what I found is kind of interesting because I actually, 
decided to get myself a bright orange pelican for my glass. <laughs> or when you're uh, lost because, at sea. <laughs> well, because when I have the thing is the case they gave us is crap, so I wanted something a little bit serious, a little bit more serious. And uh, the interesting thing about it was uh, the fact that uh, I didn't realize it till I got it, but it's actually handgun size. I'm just going to keep talking over that because this is just like every other day. So it's actually handgun size. So when I pull that out of my backpack, getting into security and take these off my face, all of a sudden everybody, everybody starts looking at me. They like stop and they just scan this thing like two or three times. But the great thing about it is uh, I, nobody ever loses track of it. So it's almost impossible to steal it. Are you sure, Joe? Yep. Yep. I'm pretty sure. I am pretty sure. So, Are you going to take those on a three-hour tour? <laughs> I already have, but probably another one, to be honest. Oh, yeah. wait. Look. I could be Joe. <laughs> Why did I not see this before? Well played. Well played. I had to put that in there just, head, just for you. <laughs> I look like a child molester. <laughs> oh dear awesome. oh dear come on back so uh mm. getting back on mm. topic uh jamie i know that you were talking about a um a cool thing with uh, 500px and bing photos yeah so i saw something on petapixel a little while earlier there's sort of a partnership i guess with uh, microsoft's bing search engine you can opt into the program that allows bing to use your pictures, they're going to feature them like on the search page. I don't know if you've ever been to Bing or not for any of our listeners. Uh, there is something other than Google. I don't use it, but anyways. When you land on the search page at Bing.com, you're presented with a giant photograph, and they're always really great photos. And yeah, they do a good job of displaying the images. They don't look all JPEGged out or nothing. Um, where they get the photos in the past, I don't know, but... Right now, there's the opportunity for people who are on 500 picks to opt into this program that uh, I think you join maybe a group in 500 picks. I'm not sure. I didn't go through the whole process, hmm. but basically, it gives Microsoft access to a pool of photos from there. And, you know, if you get your image selected, it'll be displayed on Bing search page. I think it's for 24 hours. You know, you get full um, credit, obviously, and it links. they'll actually put a link right back to your page on 500 picks. Um, I know Josh and I discussed it earlier. You know, at first I was thinking, you know, if you license through Getty, Google buys images through Getty a lot. So, and some of those pictures end up, you know, being through different Google assets. Um, Interesting. Okay. But with 500 picks and their relationship with Bing, it looks like you're not going to get paid. But Josh brought up the good point that you might not get paid, but your image is displayed in super high quality, like gigantic across people's displays. And they get, you know, I'm sure millions of hits a day on their page. I don't know what's being. They probably okay, so they get like five or six hundred hits a day on their page. And, uh, <laughs> wow! Oh man, I'm hating. Are we trying to convince people coming. to do this or not? Like, I, I but, can't even tell anymore. But in all seriousness, though, I mean, you're probably going to get a lot of exposure. I, I didn't. So, I didn't you know. do the sound effects this time. I didn't do the sound I'll, effects. My hands are up. I'll, I'll side with Josh on that one. That you know, the yeah. exposure is probably going to be worth more than I mean, fifty Getty. Can't get. you save those as like wall, like wallpaper? So yeah, like, didn't I see that on like surface know, or something? Like so, it's a. I think well, it's actually saying, a. I think it's actually a built-in Windows feature. Yeah, like a Windows Eight thing. You can save oh, in photos or yep. like have a rotating desktop or something like well, that. All Mac. Jamie, you're probably not well, getting paid when your pictures end up in like Flickr weather or uh, like Yahoo weather, right? Oh, I make a million dollars a picture off that. <sighs> no, I make really good money. Yeah. 
But at the same time, tons of people. I the the app I use on my iPhone is the Yahoo Weather app. So yeah, true. So it's you know I, I think sometimes exposure can pay off, and you know I I think it's time to just look at the pluses of this kind of stuff. Then right, you know, because you can opt in or opt out. Well, you you that's never... why I changed my tune on it. I started thinking about it. you know, and actually one of the classes that I gave over the summer of not. Uh, what do you call it, a night photography workshop that I did, one of the attendees found me through the Yahoo Weather app. And oh, I that's really a cool. semi-stalkerish backpack to who I was and discovered that I was giving classes and showed up at a class. But um, still, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, 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 a little bit of history repeating. That, that's where we get the viewers, though. The moment that happens, that's how we get viewers. Oh, well, maybe that's people jumping on the stream. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that you'll never you'll never make money off of every photo you take, especially if it's something that you're doing for fun. So, get more exposure. Why not? You know what I mean? So exactly. Jamie, I'm on a Mac though. I don't think this is a. I don't have this issue, but maybe that's just because Zach likes. Jamie's on a Mac time. too. So, isn't Zach's on a Mac? I'm on a Mac, Mac Daddy. Yeah, Zach's the only person. I am a Daddy Mac. I'm. I'm no. I'm on a PC. Yeah, I'm saying you're the only PC oh. user here. I'm on a That's boat. Hilarious. You probably are. So, um, all right. So, <laughs> speaking speaking of using stuff free and having exposure, um, I had a philosophical question I wanted to ask you guys, uh, which is probably a bad idea considering wait, wait, that nobody's wait, being wait, serious here. Wait. Wait. If we're going to get okay. chin stroke, yeah, I want to at least have something yeah, to stroke. Yeah, there we go. Okay, good. Mm. Put, put your neckbeards on. Mm. Um, oh. So I, I, I recently saw yeah, a really cool be. time lapse on Vimo recently um, called uh, Mirror City. And uh, I'm not trying to like call out the photographer what he's doing, but I, I do have a question. Uh, is it ever okay when you're doing a time lapse or some sort of video to steal, basically no. steal the music that you're using. No. Hold no. on, I'm not done yet. I'm no. not, and I'm not talking just about, hold on, I'm not done. Let me finish my thought. <laughs> I'm not just talking about, like, giving Please, them chaps, let them like finish. <laughs> I'm talking about actually doing something like video blocks and buying rights to whatever song you're using. How is that I'm stealing? I'm talking, but... That's not, yeah, that's not stealing. No, I'm, I, that isn't stealing, but I don't think you're buying rights to a major Bass Nectar song, just personally. I mean, maybe you are, but... Um, Do you know a guy that knows a guy? I mean... I, I don't know, and, and that's why I'll give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but I'm just thinking that, you know, when you're dubbing something that's commercially available, buying the rights to have it on, you know, a YouTube video or a Vimo video has got to be pretty tough, if not impossible. So, is it okay to do it anyway? I think so. There's, um... There's, I'm blanking this guy's name, but there's a guy who does amazing time lapses, and he got the cinematic orchestra to let him um, use one of their be- the best tracks they've ever done, which is called To Build a Home, I think. And he did it for, um, no, he, he got M83. He got M83 to give him permission. Really? Yeah, to use it in a time lapse. Um, hmm. And it fit, it fit the whole thing perfectly, like he did it almost around the music. Right. But yeah, I mean I, I think it is possible, but I think you kinda have to like in his video he points out that he has the permission. Gotcha. So I think I think Phil I think I guess consciously and uh, I guess philosophically, um, you definitely want to be able to advertise the fact that people know you're using their music. You know, and you want yeah, to be able to do that no matter what. Pretty fair. 
So I mean that that would be that'd be my assessment. Yeah, I mean, I guess arguably if you look at on the other side of, you know, people borrowing video footage to dub to music, which is probably yeah. much more rare. But if you're a musician, maybe. I would so. say that this, uh, this best fellow could probably use the uh, publicity. I've never heard of him. You've never heard of Bass Nectar? Ba- ba- is it Bass or Bass? <laughs> is he not- There's no fish in music. Oh. <laughs> no, I've, obviously I've never heard of him. Her. It? Is it well, a guy? You had it grown up in the trance. He's actually fairly large in the EDM space, from what I'm I understand. Sorry, what? And I only know that he's fairly large in the EDM space. Yes. You, Electronic dance music, house oh. music. Stuff uh, like that. I left my glow sticks downstairs. Sorry. I know. I, well, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry. It was on the article. You should have freaking. <laughs> what article? You didn't link to anything. There's sorry. no article. Back in episode article. 25. Yeah, back in the, the other episode twenty five that we had, we had a link to it, but uh, mm. you were you were away on a fishing trip or something. So mm. anyway, Dave, your thoughts? I think you already said it, but yeah. just no, no, no. Just just be straight up and honest. Like if if you yeah. stole the music, just put I this music off and burnt it to a CD and then transferred it to a jump drive off a friend's computer and then put it on my burnt it to a CD. Just, there, there's actually is a lot 98? of free, like, free, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of good sources for free music out there. I use MobyGratis.com. It's uh, Moby's. He's got like all these tracks that he dumps on there. Yeah. Um, as long as you're not using it for profit explicitly, you know, I mean, if it's for a project, they'll grant you license. You basically have to fill out a little form. You go through and browse the tracks. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. Find one that fits what you're doing. Um, and then basically you just apply to use it. You know, you fill out a little thing saying I want to use it for or whatever. And I've done it with time lapses that I've done. Um, I've got one on YouTube, a time lapse of a drive to work in the wintertime. And uh, that's where I got the music for that from and from a few others that I haven't shared yet. And then there's also, um, I know a friend who's doing a um, an indie film and he found an ambient artist that he really liked and he actually talked with the guy and the guy was willing to do a, a score for him. So, you know, there's, there's always wow. approaching that, too. Or SoundCloud. There's a ton of money. Yeah, SoundCloud's got a SoundCloud's ton of SoundCloud's stuff. a great way. Um, I, I was using video blocks. music. There's, um, I think, Fuel Music. I forget. There's a site. I forget what it is. Um, music Fuel, Fuel Music or something like that that I, I used to be into a while ago that does the same thing, which is they, there's a lot of great indie artists out there that license their music through it. Hmm. So... Yeah, video blocks used to be a really great resource till they, you know, charged nine hundred percent price increase this past year, and I'm just not going to pay that. So yeah. SoundCloud's where it's at, though. But yeah, they actually they had some great stock footage that you could use too, which was also kind of nice. Like they did music and footage. But yeah, we're kind of del- delving a little far into the video video world right now. I, I'd like but, to know if it's okay to steal about you know twenty Instagram. Uh, video clips and turn it into a, a silent quick film and then call it your own. Boom. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Joe, you had a question for us. I did? Yeah. Oh, oh, the other question. Okay. So, as you guys may have heard me complaining about probably 10 or 15 episodes ago, uh, I was Zach, say 10 uh, or 15 times. Probably that too. Um, Zach, uh, before I moved out here, Zach uh, was kind enough to sell me his old 1D Mark II. And I proceeded to use that for time lapses 
till I basically blew out the shutter and am currently waiting for it to be repaired uh, so I can get it back. And that cost me about 300 bucks. And I'm yeah. thinking roughly I could keep it, you know, use it for probably at least another 100,000 clicks, maybe more, before it goes again or something else goes up on it. Or should I sell it because I can probably sell it and get my money back, my money back plus some, and use that to fund a newer camera? Would you sell it for a thousand? Uh, I don't know, Zach. I think Zach was looking like six hundred or something like that. Uh, I think you're going to be lucky to get five hundred for it. Yeah. Five, I think unless you, I think it, I think unless you luck into a situation like I did with my uh, broken 5D Mark II, where the guy really right. needed it for parts, and then mm-hmm. I held out on him. And he ended up being the winning bidder, which was awesome. I don't really think uh, I don't really think you're gonna you're gonna find like on eBay right now. They're going for working ones. Uh, oh, there's one for eight forty five. I mean, yeah, so. it's gonna be so fully, it's functional fully functional, and probably yeah. fully functional, cleaned everything yeah. with a brand new shutter in it. So I'm thinking if I battery market it right, like I could that. probably. I mean, I'll, I'll, if you don't want to use it, and not sell it. I'll just use it for you. You can sell yeah, it well. Yep, um, I unfortunately cannot run my business on hope and dreams, but I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I think you might be able to get maybe a grand for That's it. That's how I operate. That would get you yeah, a so decently I... used 5D Mark II. Right. So that, that's the question: is it is it a good investment or a good way um, way to spend my time to sell? I mean, because it's been out of commission for months, mm. so I've gotten used to using one camera or maybe Jules's uh, Rebel as a backup. But I definitely need to upgrade to a better body that is uh, I can use consistently. And the other, the other thing that's ham- and I just want to be honest, the other thing that's hamstringing with me on this is I only have two lenses that are actually uh, EF mount. Everything else yeah. I have, all my good glass is EFS. So even when I'm using it, I'm kind of limited to my 50 millimeter 1.8 or my 75 millimeter 75 to 300 uh, 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 four through uh, whatever the crap that is. So keep it and invest in a lens that you can actually use a lot on it or because I was gonna say get a new if, body. I was gonna say if you could sell it for a decent amount, you can almost go buy like two T2Is and then set up like you know a uh, time lapse rig. Yeah, that's you not a thought. I mean, using it the yeah. way you did, you know. So just thinking out of the box, you know. No, absolutely. Hey, I'm, I'm all for ideas. I'm, like I'm definitely curious what I should do with it because I don't know. Like, I mean. I think, I think it was you Zach's can... idea originally to actually for me to unload it once I got it once I sold it. Yeah, I, I now... think I mean you've you've had enough. Uh, let me see how I can tiptoe around this. You've, Go for it. No, you've, no, ha- you you've had. Some, I'm trying. Um... <laughs> Work it out. You want to put that neck beard on again? It, it's there, Zach. Summon it. No, we're good now. Um... What I was going to say was uh, I think it's uh, it's given you enough problems in the past that it seems to be cursed, and it might be better to uh, probably go – I don't know. I just – for what just you're doing – Just as a cursed one, D. For what you're doing, I don't think you need it. I think you need something totally different. I bought – I mean I originally bought that camera to shoot sports, and then I stopped shooting sports, so – you know, yeah. honestly, I would sell. I would sell it and then save the, the money and go get a seventy D. I'm dead serious. I don't know if I seventy D. You can use all your lenses, but then you've got all the cross type. You have better ISO handling than any other crop frame Canon has out there. You've got the Wi Fi. It's mm-hmm. twelve hundred bucks. True. True. Sure. 
70. Okay, glass. Hold on, hold on. I'll do I'll do a picture through double through glass or okay. breaking the internet as I like to call it. Hold on. Where's it's inception. Oh. Yeah. It, well, yeah, it's triple inception. Now. Come on, Zach, be part of the collective. Oh, okay, hold on. Oh, it's even on the right side of my face. Fantastic. Oh. <laughs> Fantastic. This is what happens when we've got very few topics. <laughs> okay, Action. glass. Oh crap. Okay, glass. <laughs> okay, glass. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, I bet the listeners are be on. this episode. Oh, yeah, so that's my my recommendation is uh, get rid of it if you so, can. Fair enough. Yeah. I I will second that. I, I don't know if I that. would. I don't know if I would go and get a seven D D. I was gonna say your best bet. Or would be seven looking... a seven D or a seven D D. Not 70, 70D. 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 I would want a 7D. Why wouldn't I want no, a 7D? So you want the 70D. Because it's yes. cheaper than a brand new 7D, and it has Wi-Fi and more megapixels and um, more I'll cost be with, I'll be honest with you. Having, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. Having a 5D Not that I care about the megapixels. Sorry. No. I want to hear what Zach has to say. For like the one time <laughs> in my life, I want to hear what Zach has to say. <laughs> <laughs> having a so those 7D... listening in, Zach is currently having a tenth retainer on air. Sorry, having a seven D and a five D <laughs> Mark II, uh, I, I really kind of sometimes sit there and and think to myself, why do I have the seven <clears throat> D? I, I and, and really? I mean I so the only reason that I have it, the only reason that I'm happy I have it now is because the the macro lens that we just bought, uh, I can't use with the five D. It's actually the first lens I've ever had that does not work with the 5D because when you go outside of Canon's lenses, the, like that broken on uh, fisheye lens works fine. I, it doesn't work fine. You, you see the outside uh, lens hood, but it, at least it fits on the camera. That um, 60 millimeter macro does not fit on the camera. Hmm. It mm-hmm. bumps up against the, the um, shutter. The shutter, yeah. Yeah, so. That's interesting. Um, right. Yeah. So that's a known. That's a known thing. And so that's really the only reason that I, I. I mean, that's the only reason I can see myself keeping the seven D around right now. So would you sell the seven D and the sixty millimeter, and then maybe like use it to buy a better? I wouldn't. Prime I wouldn't sell. I, I wouldn't sell the sixty millimeter. I would probably just get you know keep that for for a lease because uh, she yeah. still got you know hers. I don't know that I would sell the seven D at this point. It's it's a great camera. It I just is. don't think it produces the image. The, you know yeah. the same image quality as a 5D Mark II, and that's that's insane to me. But but a 5D Mark II is full frame. Yeah, and but it, but the 7D I, I know, is I know it's exact how many and that, and that's years my issue. Like I, I have a $1,200 lens that's EFS, so me buying a full frame camera puts me right back into the spot that I'm currently in with something I just paid 300 for to actually keep working. So I'm almost arguing that if I do sell this, it makes me more it makes more sense for me to get something fairly top tier or top tier that's an EFS mount. Uh, otherwise, I'm basically back to square one in terms of glass because I don't really want to spend a bunch of money on glass and this. You know what I mean? Well, I would love to say that there wasn't anybody warning you years ago to properly invest in glass, but I hate calling myself a hey, liar. 
No, I'm not saying you're a liar. I'm saying that it was a very nice gift. So, and I'm not going to kick a gift. No, no, no. Mouse, I'm not but, saying that. I just think yeah. that, you know when when you uh, when you start buying lenses, uh, especially with Canon lenses, you know it's different on the other bodies. There's really no reason not to buy something that's going to fit both full frame and crop. What's interesting is spend my, the money. The reason why I was all excited about the 35 f2 is because it not only worked great on the 60, it worked great on my 50d, and I could swap it back and forth and get yeah. good images with both, which was kind of fun. Like it was, it was cool. That and the 24 to 105 that I was using as well. You know, you flip those. I flipped them, swapped them back and forth all night. So. uh but yeah, I mean, but I know I know what Zach's talking about though. Like the seven D is great with images, but you know, it's is you know if you're looking for the five D Mark II and up quality, you're not going to really get it with a seven D. You know, so you kind of have to know what you're mm-hmm. expecting with each camera. Like the pictures I shot with my fifty D, I didn't end up really filling a card because I knew I was shooting with a fifty D, so mm-hmm. I knew what I was going to get. So you know, my ISO didn't go up above four hundred, and you know all that and stuff because it's that's how it works. But, you know, with the 60D, I could kind of you know, go crazier and actually shoot more what I was looking for because 60, 60D is 60, so, you know, because 60, so. Yeah. But real quick, I know that you wanted me to bring up the um, the Lens Rentals blog. Yeah, go for it. Uh, but, yeah, yeah r- real quick, uh, not everybody's blowing it up, but I had a spirit discussion with somebody on Twitter earlier about it. But Roger Sikla, uh, he's known for being a tech data head that I kind of admire. Um, basically, Lens Rentals is a really good uh, rental company. Full disclosure, I rent from them only. Um, they He just came up with a blog that he called all their repair data from 2012 to 2013. And not making any kind of statements or making any kind of claims, he pretty much did a really – it's a long blog, but it, you got to read it from start to finish. Um, they'll, they'll put the link in the show notes, I think. Um, it's it's a long read, but it basically just points out, you know, you're you basically get data from equipment that gets beat up on a daily basis and has to go for repairs. Um, it's interesting to see repair times, for instance, that they list. Uh, Canon being one of the quickest, um, Nikon being one of the longest. I thought um, Olympus as, was one of the longest. Olympus was one of the longest too. But yeah, I think that was also slightly an outlier. Yeah, it's an, it's an outlier, and you know. Sorry, Jamie. And the thing, the oh, thing no. to point out, you know, before Jamie gets all upset that Olympus takes on time is um, too late. According according hmm. to them, with the stats from their their gear and their repairs, uh, Canon took an average of five days for repair, while Olympus jumped to forty days per repair. Uh, Nikon was a uh, close twenty-five days for repair. Uh, Sigma, interestingly enough, has dropped down to less than ten days for repair. Tamron uh, even shorter and Fuji even shorter almost. Um, the average repair cost, the cheapest was Panasonic, the highest was Nikon. Uh, Canon was right in the middle. Olympus was cheaper than Canon, so there's one for Jamie. Um, but yeah, so it, it's basically like you kind of have to read the disclaimer um, because you can look at all the data and come to assumptions, but it's more like you have a guy who has a buttload of data who kind of called it so people can read and kind of understand what's going on with gear. So you don't want to take this blog as an end-all because even at the end of the blog, he pretty much goes that, you know, don't quote that I said anything about gear because I'm not making that statement. He's more or less making the point, you know, this is gear under 
heavy wear and you can kind of learn what's going to happen with it at some point. Like the, the set, I think it's a 70 to 200 lens that has a lot of like, um, across you know, all like, brands. Yeah. Across all brands break, and stuff. If you buy one, it will break sometime in your life. Exactly. Uh, said, especially no if you drop what. it in mud. I, I don't know yeah, if you notice. especially if you do that. Yeah. Uh, but Rokinen kind of comes up there for repairs. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's not a surprise. I mean, <laughs> it's I, not I've, a surprise. You know, I've gone that, on record before as saying that I, I think uh, the lenses that they make are, are pieces of crap. And what was really They're interesting. They're built like pieces of crap. Uh, what was interesting is that um, they saw buttons popping off OMD, but he, they didn't really consider it a failure because that's something you can just pop back in place. But, like, the major mm-hmm. stuff was like the. But if it's weather sealed, I don't know, man. Oh, the ceiling's on the back side of the button as a membrane. But popping it on and off isn't going to tear that prematurely, you think? I doubt it. I mean, he says he doesn't consider the buttons popping off as a failure since most people take care of it at home. So even he's not worried about it. Yeah, Um, it's kind of weird that he even published this because if you think about it, this is so totally not typical user stuff. Exactly. These cameras use, I mean... People honestly, use them. Way, but a lot of people probably get this stuff and treat it like whatever. They don't care, you know. Right. They well, pay I, insurance yeah. on it or whatever, and they don't give a crap if they drop it or the dog pukes on it or whatever. They don't care. It's just right. going back, and they don't care about it. But and which is actually, it's actually it's actually interesting you bring that up because in terms of color runs, which apparently have exploded in popularity over the last couple of years. Uh, I see what you w- did there. Yep, uh, lens lens rentals actually went on record. The CEO basically said that if you use this for that, and we can tell, you're, you're paying for everything. Exactly. Like, well, yeah, a you're an idiot. B we're not we're not paying to clean it or fix it. Um, right. whatever you've done, which is I from what I understand, I don't believe any of the other rental shops have actually gone on record to say that. Um, I'm sure that they might have updated part of their you know user agreement to state that, but uh, yeah. but I think it's really interesting that. You know, they've actually gone on record saying, hey, if you're going to do this, it's going to destroy the lens and we don't want to be a part of it. Now, the the interesting thing to point out here is that the data that nobody is really paying attention to that actually is consumer worthy is looking at the high repair rate for the D800, 65 weeks to repair, um, which means 65 weeks in use before it goes to repair uh, because of autofocus problems. Um, uh, interesting things like the 5D Mark III, the bent CF pin issue has seemed to like go away completely. Um, the D800 battery doors snapping off have seemed to go away too. Um, and interestingly enough, camera bodies, and I quote, camera bodies, both SLR and mirrorless, have the lowest repair rates they've seen in five years. So there's a lot of plus to this. This is kind of, you know, if I got a little, little worked up on Twitter because, you know, you can't just skim the article and pull stuff from it. It's just worth a read. It's like reading a good um, it's like reading a good research article for like a college study or just for your own information. Or um, for politics, it, and then you just hear it whatever yeah. way you want. Right. You know, I'm, I'm just saying it's got a, it's yeah. got enough numbers and enough it, bite-sized information that you can basically twist that any way you want exactly. to say that Canon's it's, great or Canon sucks and vice versa. But I, I I admire what he did though because it's a guy, it's a really cool guy that has a lot of data in his hands that just wanted to share it with people. And, you know, I don't want people to take it more than that. You know, I'm just, it's fun to read through and see what's going on because you can, it helps me understand what's going on with my equipment now. You know, like, you know, I'm going to see failure rates and I'll probably see this fail and I'll probably see that fail and it's going to happen. You know, he even points out, you know, they have pictures and stuff of what things fail. You know, your IS is a bunch of little motors, you know, your AF is a motor. 
and at some time, all that's going to fail, and just kind of understanding when it will fail is kind of interesting because you can kind of see how long equipment running really hard and, you know, getting running out. The other thing to point out, too, is that all this gear is getting shipped around the country, maybe around the world, you know, so you have to add in that, you know, unpressurized cargo bays and FedEx uh, in the bottom of, like, Baggage handlers. Baggage handlers, you know. know, All this kind of stuff. You've got people throwing boxes in. They stack it into a big thing, throw it in a FedEx plane, ship it somewhere. It bounces around in a truck. So, you know, this, like you said, this is equipment getting, you know, beat up hard. But, you know, it's it's just kind of cool to see. You know, we're basically seeing what would normally take a really long time for something to happen. You're kind of seeing the data get compressed because it's almost like a scientific test just getting, like, you know, it's accelerated. Yeah, it's accelerated. Like one thing that was interesting when I actually, I rented from lens rentals and bar lenses, and this is not intended to be a plug for BL, but uh, I rented a uh, 24 to 70 from LR lens rentals because I couldn't get one from bar lenses, and then I ended up running my GoPro from bar lenses. And bar lenses GoPro shows up in this big box, and I'm like, whoa. This is just a GoPro. What the hell is in this? And inside it was a Pelican with pick foam and every like every all the accessories, all the stuff was in there. And then I get a smaller box from Lens Rentals and it was literally just three inches of foam all the way around the entire circumference of the lens. So it's real I'm definitely curious to see if you know, if you are start really investing in some of the ways to package the equipment, shipping it there and back, if that actually makes a huge difference or not. Because I, I would, I mean, I argue yeah. that you have more, you can put more foam around a lens in a box than you could in a Pelican, unless the Pelican's massive, and then it would just be cost prohibitive, um, and save you a little bit of weight. But does that still, you know, does that still protect it in the long run? I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. Know. When when I rent a lens and a camera from uh, Lens Rentals, they actually mm-hmm. will pack it in bubble wrap, mm-hmm. um, and then they of course put the lens in the bag and they do all that, and then they pack it into an actual camera bag. So I get a I got a low pro bag with my rentals. So I had the battery I got a battery battery charger second battery, um, and it's a bag that's big enough to fit that kit. But you can like rearrange it or use it however you want. But it was a full low pro bag with the ceiling had the flap overs like one of those little mini messenger bags. And then they had it packed with foam around that and foam on top, so it was foam all around it. Um, I mean, all the equipment I've only rented from Lens Rentals. Full disclosure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, me and my full disclosure, but I've only rented from them, but I've never gotten a piece of gear that even looked bare, beyond, like, a couple scratches. Um, I've, they just cycle their gear out so quick, I think. And even their used stuff. Uh, I've bought used stuff from them, and it's lasted me for forever. So um, I almost feel more comfortable buying used from them because they keep so, they keep track of their serial numbers. They keep track of dates. Like, you know, when I bought something from them, they could tell me how long it'd been circulation, how long it'd been out of circulation, and we'll sell you the one that's been in the least circulation first because you asked kind of thing. So, you know, because they keep track of it, it's better than just kind of buying from an eBay dealer where some person had a camera sitting around and be like, yeah, we need to get rid of this, and, you know, we don't know anything about it. Hey, come on! <laughs> Damn it! The moral of the story, don't buy from it. eBay. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, actually... That, that, uh, my local camera store was robbed on Sunday morning, um, and wow. they they went in. They by they, you? No, not by yeah, oh on air. Are you? Okay. Literally, <laughs> it took them six minutes to empty five display cases. All the Sony stuff. Interestingly enough, me and my me and my friend had a laugh about this. The one thing left in the Canon display case was the forty millimeter two eight. Really? Yeah. Everything else was stripped. 
But it only took them six minutes. They bust in the back door. So people, it's always a good thing to check serial numbers, buy from authorized dealers. Just a heads and, up, you know. And speaking of, and speaking of which, um, Alex Huff's husband, uh, Trevor, actually just launched a site called LensTag to prevent this stuff specifically. Interesting. So it's LensTag.com, I believe. I will check um, that out. Co. Let me double check. Um, but basically what you do is you take a picture of the serial number and put that into um, LensTag.com. Website form. Yeah, yeah. LensTag.com. Put that in there. Send it off. Uh, I, I'm assuming right now he's doing it on the side. So he's actually looking at all the photos, verifying the uh, serial number, and then you know associating that with you. And then there's also a section of the site where basically people are saying, hey, this is my serial number of my lens or whatever, and it's stolen. Wow. Does that give so, you um, does that give you some kind of printout? What? Does that give you some kind of printout where like everything because for insurance purposes that's fantastic. Yeah, it does. You you actually can get a custom URL where you can dump out everything you have. I think publicly they strip out the serial numbers and then privately you can get the serial numbers as well. I'm signing up as you talk. Okay. So anyway, so yes, yeah, so if you're definitely worried about it's that, free. it's a brand new service he just launched, and I think it's going to be awesome for people that need to worry about stuff like this because the way he's doing it, those serial numbers will get indexed by Google. So you can type a serial number into Google, and it should show up on a search result if it's stolen, saying, hey, this is actually under the stolen site, uh-oh, kind of thing. This That setup, uh, logging in and signing up took me literally 30 seconds. It's awesome. a sweet little site. Cool. Yeah, so I, I think we're going to have Alex back on the show in a couple of weeks, and we'll see if we can get Trevor on uh, sometime as awesome. well. Uh, maybe next week, actually, to tell him a little bit, uh, tell us a little bit more about it. See, because um, uh, I know that it's a labor of love for him, but it definitely serves an area where people are worried about. It. So, yeah. All right, well, I cool, think, uh, I think that's been I think a good, a good episode. Up. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, thanks for tuning in and listening this week. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to tell your friends. Uh, we'd love to have you as one of our viewers. Um, if you're feeling like it, you can give us a thumbs up if you're watching it on YouTube, rate and review us on iTunes, or just give us some praise or criticism. We'll take that too. Um, we'd like to, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for, for making it on this week. Uh, good show, guys. Uh, so for Joe, uh, Jamie, and Josh, and myself, uh, I am Zach Egolf, and you've been listening to the F Stop Two Podcast. Bye.